want to um, just say, mums, thank you so much for coming today. And we are so thrilled to be able to celebrate Mother's Day with you. Um, but I just want to take a, a little moment to kind of just recognise um, a group of people who for Mother's Day might actually a bit of be a bit of a struggle. And those are mothers who, uh, well, people who may be waiting to become mothers. And also for those who uh, have had the unfortunate, I'm sorry, my son is crying in the background and I'm trying to stay focused, but it, as mums would know, it's very difficult to do that. <laughs> so bear with me. Um, but uh, yeah, for those as well who have lost their mothers, and maybe for you, Mother's Day is a bit of a reminder of that. And so I... I actually felt to just share this morning this scripture from Proverbs 13 verse 12. It says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And I just want to thank you if, if that's you and Mother's Day is, is actually more of a difficult day for you than anything else. I just want to thank you for having the courage to actually come here today and celebrate women who are mothers. And I also want to thank you for actually allowing us to be your church family and to be on that journey with you while you are waiting for that desire of your heart to be fulfilled. And so I want to thank you and I just want to say that I admire your courage. You know, um, in our journey, in mine and Pastor Nate's journey of becoming parents, I had to do that, wait. It was for three years and so I understand the frustrations that come with that and definitely that, that sickness of the heart that encroaches in when you have to wait for something that you so desire. Um, but I guess the encouragement to you today is that I am a living, walking testimony of the goodness of God and that he does certainly fulfill our desires. And so just want to encourage you with that. Um, but this morning we are going to get into the Word of God and, and we are in this series called Sons and Daughters and this is all about the doctrine of adoption. And I was so surprised as I was doing a bit of research that there's not actually much out there about this profoundly important doctrine of us being God's sons and daughters and his adoption of us. Not that, um, and Pastor Nate spoke about it last week, how there is salvation and then there is adoption that it's actually this subsequent uh, thing that happens for us as Christians. And so I love that God would go beyond just saving us, and that is completely an act of Him, an unconditional act of Him. But He would go that step forward and say that, you know, I haven't just saved you, but I actually want to restore you to family, because that was my desire all along. And I found it so interesting that there wasn't much out there because for us as Christians, this is the most important, um, I guess, field of study, you could say, when it comes to being a Christian. Because here, I'm standing up here, not, um, I wasn't first daughter to Andrea and Sabrina Rivero. I wasn't first wife to Nathaniel Four. I wasn't first mother to Samuel, but I was first God's daughter. And so this morning, that's a bit about what I want to talk about, what adoption actually means. And um, as I mentioned, our uh, family was built through adoption. And so we've been on that journey and um, it's been a very interesting journey with lots of highs and lots of lows. Um, but three weeks, I think it was, before the 2020 COVID lockdowns, we were placed with our beautiful little scrumptious chocolate four-month-old boy who, as you can see, has lungs, or as you can hear, has lungs. Um, and so he, um, he brought so much joy and so much 
challenge, if I'm honest, into my world um, that year. And I know COVID was just a challenge for everyone um, in general, and so I get that. Um, but that's when we were placed with Sam. And fortunately, how adoption works in WA is that um, you're not just, you know, you don't just receive the phone call one day and then you're placed with your beautiful son or daughter and then they leave you and there's zero support. They don't do that, thank God. Um, but we had a um, caseworker, Sam's caseworker from the Department of Communities come and visit us um, every month for about six months. And she just wanted to check in and hang out with us as a family just to see how we were coping with life. And so we're really thankful for that. But then this really great part of adoption happened where um, after the six months, she actually started to hand us paperwork that we had to fill out. And I say, great because part of me loves paperwork. I'm a bit of an admin weirdo. Um, so I, I enjoyed it. It was good. Um, but she said, look, it's time. You guys have come together as a family really well. And we can see that, um, yeah, you're coping as much as new parents do. Um, and so she said, let's get started with this adoption paperwork. And so we um, got that all together and, and part of that process was that we had to go to our lawyer's office and have them talk through this, this large document. Um, and there was this part where, <laughs> Meg's gives me this look, oh, what? <laughs> but yeah, uh, I actually really love that our Department of Communities here put so much value in this process of adoption because it just shows that they actually have the value of children as the first priority and it's actually a really great thing that they do. Um, but we got to this point and, and we're going through this document with our lawyer and she came to this part that said, um, that talked about parental uh, responsibility under the law. And so she said, have you ever read this before or come across this before? And we said, no, like when have we ever had to read something like that? And um, so she started to read through the, this criteria, right, of what we would be committing to um, as we commit to Sam, bringing him into our family as our son. And um, so the criteria, it was very straightforward and things that, you know, biological parents you'd be thinking about anyway, but it was things like committing to your child, ensuring that you're healthy enough for the next 18 years at least that you can parent them. So you're committing to that, you're committing to providing them a safe and secure environment in their home and family relationships, and you're committing to um, bringing them into your line of inheritance where they are actually cut off from their birth family, but they get to receive from your line of inheritance. And as we're going through this criteria, it kind of dawned on me that, whoa, this was a huge commitment that we were, you know, embarking on. For the last six months, it, it was great. And like I mentioned, there were challenges as well. But there was this moment where it all hit me where what it meant to commit to Sam and to adopt him, the full force of that came. And um, I remember um, just all of these memories of, you know, all the wonderful things that come with having a, a baby. So the milestones, when they do really great at tummy time and they're pushing themselves up or when they roll over or when they smile and giggle at like the silliest and simplest things. It's so easy to make a kid laugh. It's awesome. And my husband's actually really good at that, which I'm glad about. Um, but all of that to say. Um, but then I also had in this moment just all of these memories of how I, I had failed as a parent in those six months and also just how um, the idea that I had of me being a parent, 
the idea of the kind of mother I would like to be, how I had failed and I'd missed the mark time and time again in that little period of six months. And so I had these standards that I had, um, you know, unbeknownst to me, that I had actually set for myself and I was trying to live up to. And as I signed on that dotted line, com committing myself to be Sam's mother, I had to actually put away any notion of me being good enough for this role and for Sam and whatever decisions he would make in the future, whatever um, you know, character traits he would have or whatever character maybe that he struggled to have, I would have to put away any notion of him being good enough as well as I adopted him. Because the thing is, in our adoption with God, it's very similar in that God's adoption of us means that he fully accepts us and he does away with any need for us to actually be good enough. The good enough criteria or standards, that doesn't even factor in when God adopts us. And so in that moment, I had to put that away and I had to say, I'm committing to Sam. No condition on how you know, he performs or how he behaves as a child. And I also had to do that for myself as well. Even if I found that I was missing the mark and I wasn't good enough, I would still commit to this beautiful boy. Now I would call my son. And so I love that God's adoption of us means that we are fully accepted by him and it cancels out the need for us to be good enough. Our key scripture this morning is Romans 8 verse 14 to 16, and I love the Passion Translation. I've been reading that this year, and it says this, The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, and you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough, but you have received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, this is the Holy Spirit talking, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. So in God's adoption of us, we are fully accepted. We are fully embraced. It's not that when we're performing well that God says, yes, I adopted you on the basis of that. Or, you know, in those seasons of our life where we're doing really well, he says, I adopted you based on those seasons. No, 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 no. He adopts us fully and he embraces us and he enfolds us into family, whether or not we hit this criteria of being good enough because that's just not a factor for our God. He loves us unconditionally and a really great picture of this is found in the parable of the lost sheep. In Matthew 18, verse 12 to 13, it says, What do you think? If a shepherd has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, Truly, I tell you, he rejoices over it more than the 99. You see, why this is such a great picture of God's adoption of us is that the shepherd represents Jesus and the sheep represent us. Now, the beginning of this parable is that the sheep are all together under the shepherd's watch, right? They actually belong. This is talking about the sons and daughters of God, that they already belong to God. And yet, 
the shepherd knows fully that there are some sheep that are going to go astray. And what does he go and do? He goes and tries to find the sheep. And if he finds the sheep, he brings them back into the fold. And I love this picture because it talks about the fact that God knew before adopting us that we had the propensity to go astray. He knew that there would be times where we would not go his way, that we would want to go our way, that we would continue in unrepentance when he wanted us to repent. He knew that we would withhold forgiveness when he wanted us to forgive. You know, our sin and our shortcomings and our sometimes inability to align with his ways doesn't surprise him. It doesn't take him by surprise, but in that moment where he adopts us, he sees all of that, because God is sovereign, he sees through time, he sees all of that, he sees the span of your life and says, I adopt you, become my son, become my daughter. In God's adoption of us, it means we are fully accepted by him and it cancels out the need to be good enough. And you know, I could talk to you about that all day. I could say those words over and over again, and for some of you, that revelation would hit home just through the speaking of the word. But for others of you, like myself, you know, sometimes you have to do some things, you have to change some behaviors in order to live out this idea that we are fully accepted and that we don't need to compete or, or live up to the standard of being good enough. Because if we're honest with ourselves, Sometimes, even when we uh, have been saved, even when we have been in the family of God for a time, we can still come to this place where we ask ourselves, am I good enough? Is what I do good enough? And you know, if you've asked that question, there's no need to feel condemned. There's no need to feel like you're the only one because I assure you, you are not alone. But if you are in that space this morning, God wants to say to you all all the more this truth that you're fully accepted by him. You know, something I think of when that question starts to come up is, I, I think about my son. You know, I think, what if one day he were to come to me and say, look at what I have achieved, mum. I've lived with integrity. I haven't messed up much at all. I didn't hurt anyone intentionally, and at every opportunity I had, I gave to charity. Now, am I good enough for you? Now, will you accept me? You know, you don't have to be an adoptive mum to feel that way. I think any parent, if your kid were to come up to you and say that, you would be brokenhearted. Why? Because it's never been about a standard. It's never been about you being good enough. It's never been about us being good enough for God to adopt us. And some of you this morning, you actually need to hear this. You need to allow these words to go deep into your heart because maybe you have grown up into the families where, you know, your parents have had the best intentions at heart, but maybe they drove you a little bit hard to achieve and to always perform at your best and always get, you know, A plus grades or do really well in sport. And and sometimes you had that feeling of, gosh, whatever I do isn't good enough. You know, if that's you this morning... I know God wants to tell you that you are fully accepted by him. You don't need to be good enough. You can put away that thought that you ever need to be good enough because he's fully accepted you and he's brought you into family. You know, all of this hit me when I started to have difficulties with my parenting. 
I was missing the mark over and over again, as I mentioned, and I was not being the mum I'd visioned I could be. And I'm sure you parents can relate to this out there, especially when you've started out. But often I found talking to parents who are much older than I and maybe have adult children that sometimes, you know, they live in this place of regret where, yeah, they actually regret that, you know, they haven't been uh, the perfect standard that they would have liked to be of a parent. And so that's where I was. And I felt like it had gone, gotten to this point where I just wasn't in control of getting myself better and becoming this better mum that I wanted to be. And this deep, deep disappointment started to grow in myself. I was deeply disappointed with who I had become or who, because the thing is for me with parenting, because it happened so quickly overnight, I had these ideas of who I could be, but who I became actually shocked me. It took me by such surprise. And before I knew it, the pressures of my roles as mum and wife and pastor were starting to weigh really heavy to the point of when um, I would do things that I'd be used to doing, those things, those normal everyday activities actually begun to be so difficult for me because of this pressure. And I felt like throwing in the towel, if I'm honest. I felt like quitting it all. But I knew that that wasn't an option for me, probably because I'm stubborn and, and I knew God had called me and I didn't want to give up, if I'm honest. I just didn't want to throw in the towel on what God, where I knew God had placed me. And so I knew that I needed help. And so I met with my psychologist, and she's a wonderful woman. She's a Christian psychologist, and so she, she understands, you know, the Christian dynamic. And we actually worked out, I did this really long survey, again, admin, but that one actually did my head in. Um, but I did this survey, and basically she talked to me about how I had this issue with unrelenting standards, that basically I had these standards set for myself, and, and you know, with this kind of survey, it's things that you just pick up throughout your life. But I had set these crazy high standards for myself and for everything that you could possibly do in life, I had set a standard to. So even things that aren't meant to, you know, there's no good enough or whatever, I had actually set a standard to. And I remember having a conversation with Nate actually and just saying, like, isn't this how every person kind of thinks about this? I couldn't remember what it was in particular. And he was like, no, like, you're crazy. That standard is way too high. No one operates like that. Like, ah, oh, thanks, honey. Like, <laughs> cool, I am a freak. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got to this point where, okay, this is where I could see where the pressure was coming from because every time I stepped into my role as mum, I had these standards, you know, that weren't verbalised and I, I was just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not meeting the mark at all and then, you know, that interferes with me being a wife and a pastor and just all of it. There became this real crushing weight and I knew that something had to change, otherwise I was just going to be a wreck and I was going to be useless in each of these roles and responsibilities. But maybe for you this morning, this isn't what the fear of being good enough looks like. Maybe for you, you'd label yourself as an overachiever. Any overachiever? No, don't put your hand up. It's all good. <laughs> but you do more than what is required out of compulsion. But if you kind of try and search, you don't know where that compulsion is coming from. It's just something that drives you. You must achieve to a high standard. Maybe you've got an issue with unrelenting standards. Maybe that's you. Or maybe 
you go the opposite way and maybe you have a blasé attitude towards things and maybe when you try new things or, or you know, you set your hand to do some work, you don't even try your hardest or you don't even invest that much because you're like, well, what will it matter? Like, if I do this, it won't be good enough anyway. Or maybe you have these amazing dreams and I envy you if you're a dreamer, if you're one of those people who have passion projects, but maybe you allow them to just wait in the wings because you're like, well, where do I even start? And, and I know that eventually I'm going to hit a wall and I'm just not going to be good enough to start and to launch these things anyway. Maybe you're a person that takes everything upon yourself um, in a group project at school or uni or TAFE because you want to try control the other people in your group and control the standard of work um, that, that your team is outputting. Maybe that's what you do. Or maybe you see every task, every social interaction, and maybe even encouragement through the filter of a standard that you have to meet. If you're sitting here today and, you know, those words, those kind of descriptions that I've read out, and maybe there are other things as well. I know I haven't covered everything. But if you're sitting here, can I tell you that there's so much hope for you? Because there's this journey that God has brought me um, from where I was crippled by these unrelenting standards. But now I'm experiencing such freedom. And I actually want to share with you some of these practical things that God gave me to do. And I was like, God, isn't this just one of those things where I repeat over and over again that I'm fully accepted by you, that the standard of being good enough is irrelevant. Isn't that something that I just make my mantra and I wake up every morning and I say that in front of the mirror and everything's going to magically change? He's like, no, that's not the way that this works. Absolutely, we have faith in the Word of God. We speak it over ourselves. We speak it over our families. But there are also things that we can do where God has called us into partnership with His Spirit and so I want to share with you some of these things that really changed the game for me. And so I hope if you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, actually, I would love to um, do something about this, then this is for you. All right, so the first um, thing that God got me doing was to investigate and align my standards with His. Now, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 says this, and I'll read it from the Passion Translation because, man, it just spoke to my heart. And it's amazing. All right, so it says this. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? That was me. That's what it felt like. Come to me, Jesus says. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble, and get this, I'm easy to please. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? You will find refreshment and rest in me, for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I remember when God put that scripture on my heart in this translation, it just melted me. It floored me, because God knew that I saw everything as unpleasant standards for sure but that life was meant to be hard. That's what I actually thought. But God tells me differently that the standards he has for us is, are actually well-fitting for us. And that's because he's our creator, right? He gets it. But I love how it says right here in a different translation, it says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And so when we find ourselves where our soul is not at rest, where we're sensing that heaviness and that, needing, that need to perform to a standard where we are good enough, then that means that that standard is not from God. You've got to hear me. God gives us grace. So he gives us this empowerment to actually help us through life. And so when we are instead feeling crushed by life and, and heavily burdened, then that's not a yoke fr- from him. And so what do we need to do? Often when we are carrying burdens that are not from him and they're weighing us down, often they've come either from our culture, whether that's pop culture or you know, our ethnic culture, they're just standards that we've carried on but have never investigated, or maybe they are from our upbringing where we've never stopped and paused and thought, wait, is that actually a standard that God's put on my life or is that something that's just been carried down through generations? And we actually need to investigate it and we need to to align ourselves with God's standards. One morning, um, Sam and I had gone to a play centre. Um, just It was a rainy day, so like, you know, you got boundless, endless energy, so let's go to a play centre. And so we did, and he came across this puzzle on the wall, and he was getting really frustrated with it because um, he just couldn't work something out. And so I just put my hand on him, and I said, Sam, be patient with yourself. You'll get it. And honestly, toddlers are amazing at this. They are like the best learners in the world. Sam will go to sleep, have like a marathon three-hour nap, and then he'll wake up and be able to do something that he never did before. It, it just thrills me every time. Like, just like, God, this is so cool. But anyway, so I said, Sam, you'll get this. Just be patient with yourself. And as soon as those words left my lips, I felt the Holy Spirit tap me on the shoulder. Don't you love it when Holy Spirit's just like, hey, friend, wait a minute. So he taps me on the shoulder and he says, so you give grace to Sam, but what about yourself? Where's my gra- where are you allowing my grace in, in your life right now? And I knew exactly what the struggle was that he was talking about. It was actually this standard of sin that I had in my life where for me, I'd set the standard, and again, totally subconscious, um, but throughout my life, I set it as do not sin, ever. Like there was no grace, there was no room in that. And I love that somebody just laughed, because, <laughs> right? <laughs> the things that we set for ourselves unknowingly. But that was my sin, and no wonder why I was messing up big time, and I was failing big time, and I was being crushed by this weight because that standard was ill-fitting. And it's, in fact, totally not from God because God's standard is this. He led me to 1 John 1, 9, and it says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so... The standard for our lives, for my life in that moment, it just dawned on me, was that it was never that God wanted me to be his perfect daughter, but actually just a daughter who, when I sinned, I love that it's, you know, it's not if I do, it's when I do, but when I do, that I would go to God, I would receive forgiveness, and I'd actually allow him to do the cleansing work, cleansing me from all unrighteousness unrighteousness and reinstating that purity that Christ died to give me. The standard was never, Beck, you never, ever, 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 under any condition allowed to sin. In fact, it was, daughter, I know you're going to. And so when you do, come back to me. Just come to me and allow me to do my work. 
Maybe for you this morning, maybe you have some standards that need to be investigated. Can I encourage you to do that? And, you know, what I didn't do was take a whole week off work and just sat in the space of, okay, God, help me to investigate every standard. No, I didn't do that. It's as they popped up in my life. And, you know, the beautiful thing is when we abide in Christ, we have Holy Spirit always just nudging us in the way that we're meant to go towards our destiny in Him. And so we just trust that as Holy Spirit brings these things up, he's actually also equipped us to deal with them. And so can I encourage you, if you've got some standards in your life that you know even now maybe Holy Spirit's talking to you about, go home this week. Get out a journal. Investigate them. Write them down. Okay, this is the standard I've been living by. God, what do you say? And go to his word. Don't just wait for a feeling (laughs) because sometimes our feelings can mislead us, but find it in his word. Find that standard in his word. And you know, if you can't find it, we have beautiful elders in this church. We have amazing lift group leaders in this church who would love to open the word of God with you and search through that to find that with you. But that was one of the things that God got me to do, to investigate and align my standards with his. And so the second thing that he that he encouraged me to do was to actually open up with my struggle, um, with my struggle with someone from his family. You see, in Romans 8, that passage, it says, We have been enfolded. I love that picture. You know, I just think of myself in my biggest cardigan and just going like this. He has enfolded us into the family of God. But the thing is, when we have struggles, when we have, um, you know, issues in our life that are weighing heavy, that um, when we can see that we're not meeting the mark, sometimes we perceive that as shameful, and those are things that we don't want to share with others. But what I felt Holy Spirit wanted to say to you this morning was that you belong here as much as the next Christian does. You belong in his family just as anyone else does. And so when you feel that condemnation and you feel that shame that actually keeps you from opening up about your struggles, that's not from God either. That's the enemy wanting to keep you silent in an area of your life where if you were to open it up and actually bring it into the light and involve your brothers and sisters, people that you trust, in that area of your life that you would actually see breakthrough. The enemy does not want us to have breakthrough in our life. And so that was actually something that I tested. And and I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm struggling through things, it takes me a little while to get to my warrior phase. I call it my warrior phase because that's when the grit finally sets in. And I'm like, oh, I see the enemy's plans for what they are. I am going to do something about that now. You know, you kind of get to that place where you're like, ah, I see things. Okay, I'm going to do this. Even though it's hard, I'm going to do this. And so what I did was that I called up a friend who is a sister in Christ and somebody I trust. And so I encourage you, don't just, you know, go to the person down the road or whatever. Go to somebody you've actually built trust with. Maybe they're a mentor of yours or maybe they're a leader in this church. But go to them and confess to them. Because what happened for me was that I called my friend, I told her what was going on and how I was failing and there was this sin that was involved as well and and that took so much courage for me to do, especially because being a pastor, right, you, you need to live at this level of, you know, character, morality, all of these kinds of things. And because people are looking at your life, people are looking up to you. And so it took a bit of courage to actually pick up that phone and call that friend. But you know what? As I confessed and as I asked for prayer, she was just so incredible. She firstly listened 
and she said that she understood and she gave me some advice as to what she had actually struggled with as well and it was very similar to my own struggles as a new mum. And um, so she gave me some advice and she prayed for me as well and she actually continued to check in on me. And what was so beautiful about this sharing with her was that Yes, I got to get it out into the open, out um, into the light, and there was this weight that lifted off of me. There was this relief. But more than that, this truth that God had actually enfolded me into his family and that I belonged, that truth hit home. And that truth became a testimony. It became real and active in my life. And for some of you here, maybe as you are missing the mark in your life and you're covered in this shame or what you think is shame anyway, can I encourage you to find someone you trust in the family of God? Open up to them because they are equal with you, firstly, and because there is such freedom waiting for you when you open up about these areas of struggles. And you know, I think it's just beautiful that God hasn't just saved us, hasn't adopted us, and so we're in relationship with him, but he's given us a family to be his arms, to be those arms that actually enfold us and wrap around us and embrace us. So that was a second thing that God gave me to do, was to open up with my struggles um, with someone from God's family, from his family. And the third thing, and this is going to sound super cliche, but I guarantee you that it's not. But the third thing that God impressed on me, he said, ask for my spirit's help more often. And for me, it was kind of like, oh man, I already wasn't hitting the mark and hitting these standards that I thought I had to live by. But now it's like, oh God, you're pitying me? Now I have to ask for help more? He's like, yeah, it'll be good for you. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, I'll do it. But, you know, I was reading that um, verse Romans 8, and I just love um, this part that talks about Holy Spirit's uh, relationship between God and us. And it says, You will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And you know, the best person you could get on your journey when you're battling with standards, when you're struggling hard in life, the best person, because he advocates for you, is the Holy Spirit. He's the one that is um, making real to you God's fatherhood and his intentions of love towards you. He's the one that delivers that to you. And he's the one that also enables you to actually call out to God and to claim for yourself being his beloved child. And you know, um, what was really interesting about this whole thing, unrelenting standards and stuff that um, I was going through is that one day, Holy Spirit just highlighted this area where I was bringing these standards into, and that was actually the reading of his word. It was so weird, and, and it freaked me out. It scared me half to death, because for the last 15 years, I'd been bringing this filter of, the Word is a book of standards that I needed to live up to. So whenever I read it, right, what I was actually filtering his words through was, okay, what's, what's that thing that I need to live up to? What is that thing that I need to perfect in my life? What is that characteristic that God's looking for in me? What do I need to change? What do I need to correct? And it was all about how I was performing for God. And so Holy Spirit said, yeah, 
that's not what I want you to be getting out of this. There's a lot of love in here for you. And and yes, it, it is about being salt and light. It is about being different, of course. But this was never meant to be a book where you open and you're crushed by the weight of being able to live up to it. That was never what it was meant to be. And so out of that came this prayer of, crap, Holy Spirit, I've been doing this not the way you wanted me to for the last 15 years. You're going to actually have to teach me a new way of relating to your word. And that moment was huge for me because it was like, okay, what, what does this look like? And can I tell you what, it's been really messy <laughs> going back into God's word after that revelation, but it's also been probably the most life-giving uh, that I've ever experienced in my personal devotional time because I'm not reading a book of standards and you know a book that brings condemnation and greater pressure, but I'm actually reading about this story of you know other people's stories where I get to learn from them and I get to see God's miracles and his power and his grace at work in other people's lives and actually receive that for myself. And so this morning, maybe that's something that you could do. Simply ask Holy Spirit, to teach you new ways and to teach you more so that instead of living out of your standards that you've had for your life, you're actually finding the new ones that are in God and that are good and healthy and right and fitting for you. And so this morning, uh, just to wrap up, those were the three things that God had me do. Investigate, tear those standards apart and see whether they aligned to God's word and if not, align them investigate standards, open up about my struggle and ask Holy Spirit for his help. And this morning, what I want us to do is actually bow our heads and close our eyes because I know the Holy Spirit is here and that he is speaking to each and every one of us. And you know, maybe there are some things, some of these tools, these actions that I've read out that you need to take home with you and you need to do. Or maybe it's something else and I believe Holy Spirit's gonna reveal that strategy to you and then you can come and tell your church family about that later on. That would be awesome. But in this moment, I just wanna know so that we can pray. On the count of three, I want you to raise your hand if you're gonna join me in saying, yep, Okay, I think that's something that God wants me to do. I know he wants me to put away standards that aren't from him and align my life with his word. I know that he wants me to open up a little bit more about my struggles. You know, I haven't been that vulnerable before, but I know he's actually calling me to open up. Or maybe, you know, God is calling you to ask for his help more. Maybe there's a bit of pride. Maybe there's a bit of stubbornness that you're wanting to do things your own way. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to go home and do that. But right now, at the count of three, if that's you, if you are going to do something about this this morning, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for responding. You know, when we respond in this moment to the Holy Spirit, it means that he can tap us on the shoulder throughout our week and remind us, hey, remember when we talked about that? Yeah, let's get to work on that. 
And so for those of you who raised your hand, I just want to pray quickly over you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for these people who are real with you, who are being vulnerable with you in this moment. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are this wonderful advocate for our life. And God, as these people have responded to you this morning, Lord, I pray that you would go with them, that you would be their help. Lord, I thank you that your promise is that you will lead them and that you will help them. In Jesus' name. And God, I just pray a return on that response this coming week, God, that as you draw them even further into this response, Lord, into doing something about these standards and about being living out in the identity as your son or daughter. God, that you would help them, that your grace would be sufficient. I thank you that it is. And God, I thank you that your mercies are new each day, even as we start to do these things. And if we mess up, God, I thank you that your mercy meets us there. God, you are so good. And Lord, I just declare your blessing over these people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, this morning, if you are sitting here and you want to recommit or commit your life for the very first time to Jesus, the one that created you, the one that has this beautiful plan for your life, then I encourage you to come and have a conversation with either Pastor Nate or myself after the gathering this morning because we would love to talk that through with you and we'd love to be a part of that journey with you. We also have a Bible for you to help you with that. But this morning, I just want to thank you. Thank you for coming together. And I hope that the rest of your Mother's Day mums is really special and that you feel really celebrated. I'd love to just pray a blessing over each and every one of you as we go out this morning and enjoy morning tea and fellowship. But come on, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you that we are your sons and your daughters, that you have accepted us fully that you've adopted us into your family. And God, I pray that the truth of this scripture, the truth of your word, God, would convict every person here, Lord, that they would experience the fullness of your acceptance and your embrace, and that they would know deep within their hearts, God, that you love them as your very own. God, I pray your blessing upon each and every person as they go about their week and live in this identity as your son and your daughter. We pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much for coming. I invite you to join with us in in some morning tea. And if, mums, you didn't get your gift, please make sure you make yourself known to someone. And um, we'd love to give that to you. But have a great rest of your Mother's Day. We also have an awesome photo booth over in the corner here. So grab your posse, grab your family, and take some photos. And we'll make sure that we um, upload those and get those to you somehow. Um, But enjoy that. Enjoy morning tea and enjoy the rest of your Mother's Day. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. Follow us on Instagram at The Lift Church or on Facebook at Lift Church Perth. That will give you all the up-to-date information about what's happening in the life of our church. Thanks again for listening. God bless.